comfort and joy. Uh, I love this theme for this season. Uh, I was out this week and I saw this. This is my coffee cup I got at Starbucks this week. And as I was drinking my coffee, I happened to look at the little sleeve on the cup. And I thought, nice try, Starbucks. Coffee and joy. Tidings of coffee and joy. Well, that's great for Starbucks. But we as believers know God gives us comfort and joy in coffee. And we were thankful for all good things. So I saw that and I laughed this week. Uh, but I also didn't know if you saw this on Facebook. Last week I talked to you about comfortable. Remember comfortable? Everybody say comfortable. And I told you I got my wool socks and my shorts and my ugly Harley sweater and, and my dog in my lap and I, and I sit in my comfy brown chair. Well, I was doing that and Julie saw it and took a picture of it. And so here's the picture. I want to let you know, when I tell you, some of you think that I make stuff up and it's not true at all. No, that's my wool socks and my shorts and my ugly Harley's sweat and my dog who always has weird looking eyes in the camera and my comfy brown chair. You can't see all the blankets underneath me. Uh, you got my pillow there, but the, I got the green blanket on top. Comfortable. Everybody say comfortable. Boy, if we think that God did all that he did for us to make us comfortable, if we think that Jesus came born as a baby, suffered the indignity of having to grow in knowledge and stature as a man, and then serving for three, three and a half years and dying on a cross to make us comfortable. Boy, are we missing the mark. Not that being comfortable is wrong. You can buy comfortable from Amazon. You can get it in a box. But you can't buy hope. And that's what Jesus came for. So this morning, we're still talking about comfort. Last week, I kind of defined comfort. God has come to give us comfort and joy, not to make us comfortable. This week, we're taking a a step further to talk about this. I must cast aside counterfeit comfort while I catch and create certain comfort. All the C's on the board have been used, okay? Uh, If you're playing Yahtzee or whatever it is, all the C's are gone. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I must cast aside counterfeit comfort. We're going to talk about counterfeit comfort this morning. While I catch... I hope you've caught certain comfort, real comfort in your life. And I got to cast. I I need to be sending it out. I need to create and cast out comfort for other people. So we have a ministry this morning about comfort. And that's what we'll be talking about. Our theme verse is this. I want to read the whole thing again, so stick with me. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 7. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, and the God of all, who us in all our troubles, so that we can, those in any trouble, with the, we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our, abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it's for your, and salvation. If we are, It is for your, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope is for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our suffering, so also you share in our comfort, comfort and joy. I hope this passage seeps into you as we'll read it each week, talking about what God has done for us and how we share We share in the sufferings of Christ. Yeah, he didn't come to make us comfortable. He promised us in this life, you will have trials. You will suffer. But he promises us his comfort and joy. 
So three things this morning, casting aside, uh, counterfeit comfort, catching certain comfort, and creating certain comfort. The first one, we must cast aside counterfeit comfort. The good news only makes sense in the light of bad news. I think when we think of comfort, we think we want to avoid bad news. When we think of comfort, we want to, we, we want to not deal with the nasty stuff. And, and sometimes Christians think it's, it's better if we don't bring up sin and salvation during Christmas. Let's just keep it at the baby Jesus. We like that. Everybody likes the baby Jesus in the manger. Don't bring up the reason why he came. And, and there is no comfort unless we know what we're being comforted from. There is no good news until you understand the, the depth of the bad news. Luke 10, Luke 2, verse 10. Uh, by the way, this morning is going to be a marathon of Scripture. Uh, they will be on the screens as I read, so if you can't catch up, you don't need to worry about that. But they're all listed for you in your notes. So you have them. You can keep looking these up uh, after it. If you need notes, they're back there. They're on your gadgets. Uh, but if you're on a gadget, good luck. You've got to be a teenager to keep up today with those thumbs. Luke 2, 10 The angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will create great joy for all people. But Christmas is that good news. And that good news is great joy for everybody. Next week we we make the switch over to joy from comfort. What God did for us brings us great joy. But Romans 3.23 tells us the truth that we all must know. For all have sinned. And fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned. Listen, the good news is great. The baby Jesus coming to earth is great. But people need to know they need salvation. People need to know that we are born with a sin problem. Everybody, from the time you're born, you're born with a sin problem. I told you my story about being there when Caitlin was born, my firstborn, and that's, that's a crazy time. Those of you who are parents, if you were there, uh, dads who were in the room, I mean, it's just a whoa, you know, you, you, everything's crazy, everything's tilt, 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 everything's going nuts, and then out comes this child, and, and it's gross. I mean, it's, it's like covered in, in white and hair and gook. It's just nasty, but it's beautiful. I mean, how many of you know what I'm talking about? How many were there? You've seen it. It is disgusting, but it's amazingly beautiful. You're overwhelmed. You can't believe how amazingly beautiful this is. I remember looking at Caitlin and all that gunk and stuff, and I almost said out loud, she's perfect. I almost said the words. I'm counting toeses and noses. I'm, I want to make sure she's, and I thought she was, and I almost said the words, and I caught myself. I'm like, she's perfect. And immediately the pastor in me kicked in, and I realized we had just brought a, a soul into the world born with a sin problem. She needed Jesus. That's an overwhelming thought. I'm amazed I made it through that day. Yeah, my wife had it easy. I, it was hard. Uh, I just kid. I just, I just kid. She's not here. Don't tell her I said that. There's a sin problem. And, and unless people know that, what's the point of the good news? If everybody gets the message that baby Jesus came so it's all all right, that's not the truth. The Bible says very clearly there's a sin problem that has to be dealt with. So what do we do about this, this counterfeit comfort that comes? The world will offer you some remedy for the bad feeling. The world will offer counterfeit comfort. Jeremiah 6 and 14, they dress the mortal wound of my people as though it were not serious. Peace, peace, they say, when there is no peace. 
I put the word mortal in there. You, you read the translations. I, they dress the wounds of my people. But the, the idea of that wound is a mortal wound. It's like a, a sword swipe and you're gashing with blood. And, and, and somebody puts a Band-Aid on it. That's the idea here. They're saying, well, you, you can't dress a mortal wound with a Band-Aid. And say, peace, peace, when there is no peace. Friends, the world that we live in will offer counterfeit comfort. They will say everything's going to be okay and here's how you can be a self-care and all the other things that you can do. Watch Oprah and learn all the self-help and, and take care of yourself and be happy and healthy. And, and I'm telling you, the world will offer you all sorts of things, but most of it is counterfeit comfort. There's only one thing that'll take care of the biggest need every person born has, and that's Jesus' forgiveness of sins. He died on the cross, paving the way for that. And then he offers you to come. Remember last week? Come unto me. Come to me. Have you accepted that gift? The reason he died on the cross. Has there been a time when you've said, God, please forgive me of my sin. I recognize I'm not perfect. I am a sinner. God, please forgive me of my sin. Had a young lady once at a camp come forward and to receive salvation and we talked she just wasn't ready she said i'm not ready i said well let's talk again and she left she came back the next day we talked about it again she said i'm not ready and the last day of this winter camp she came and i said are you ready and she said i just don't think i can i'm like what's holding you up what's the problem and she says i don't know if i can list all the sins that i've done in my whole i'm like well you think you have to pray over every I'm talking sin in the plural. When you say, forgive me of my sins, you don't have to list every single, you'll never be able to do that. Even at the age of 13 or 14, you're never going to remember. You're confessing that you're not perfect and that there's sin in your life and you're just giving it to Jesus. He's the greater cleaner upper. He'll take all that sin. You don't have to name each and every one. She was so concerned she was going to forget something and be left out. I'm like, oh, sweetheart, just trust God to take care of it. She prayed the most simple prayer. I'm a sinner and I need forgiveness. And you know what? I'm convinced that God took that sin and wiped it away. Everyone, every bad thought, every nasty word, every comment, anything, he wiped it away. What about you today? Don't accept counterfeit comfort. And then I got to deal with this, not an easy, but I must trade counterfeit comfort for genuine joy. Don't accept the fake deal. Don't accept what's not real, what the world wants to offer. Only accept what's genuine. Ephesians 5.18 says this, don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Now, friends, just stick with me. Hear your pastor. Hear everything your pastor's about to say. I need to deal with this because counterfeit comfort is so cheap and easy and, and it usually comes in a, a bottle or a pill form in our culture today. We, we just live in a, in a society that says, you got a problem? Well then, here, take this. And, and I'm not preaching that the Bible says that alcohol completely is wrong. I don't believe that's true. I think it's funny that Jesus' first miracle was to make wine and even made the good stuff. Drives the Baptist crazy. Why would that be his first miracle? I'm not advocating that you all drink. I'm not advocating that you can't drink. But I just want to let you know, don't think you can get your comfort and joy in a bottle or in a pill. That's a counterfeit answer. I'm not saying it's wrong and and, and the Bible abolishes it completely. But the Bible does speak to this issue. Romans 14, it's not on the screen. I'd encourage you to turn to Romans 14 real quick. 
That's my passage for all the issues of our society, what you should or you shouldn't. I won't read the whole thing, but in Romans 14, it just tells us so clearly, thank the Lord. The Lord knew that these issues were going to be hard, so he speaks about it. Let's go down to verse 16. There's a lot said before 16, but it says, So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Let me stop there real quick. You see, the verse I just read, don't get drunk on wine, which leads, instead be filled. The reason why the, the Bible's making this analogy is because the whole thing is about where does your joy come from? Where are you going to go to? Where's your source for true happiness? Better than happiness, true joy. And the Bible says that better come from the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Being filled with wine will not get you there. Sure, it'll make you happy for a while. Oh, friends, I traveled and spoke for the Substance Abuse Council. I was an alcoholic, drug-selling mess in my younger years. And since I found salvation and, and freedom, uh, the, the Substance Abuse Council of, of Southwest Michigan found that out, and I traveled for them extensively. I went into the inner city and spoke to students in, in the inner city schools, and I would just tell them. I would tell them. I would plead with them. Don't take the counterfeit. Don't accept that because it's temporary. I would tell them, you can get high and forget all your problems, but when you come back, they're still going to be there, and they'll be worse. Because while you were gone on your little trip, things probably got worse. And so that counterfeit joy is actually a toilet bowl downward. It's a spiral out of control. So the Bible talks about this, and it's just saying, it's not saying you can never have a drink of wine. It's not saying you can't have a beer. It's not saying abstinence completely, but what it's saying is you better check yourself. You better check yourself because if you're thinking this is where your joy comes from, is this the only thing that can make you happy? You've accepted the counterfeit and you're just going to be in a spiral all the time and never experiencing everlasting. Everybody say everlasting. Everlasting. Please hear your pastor. Some of y'all going home already saying, our pastor is pounding on alcohol. I'm not pounding on alcohol. I'm not. I think where there's freedom, let freedom ring. I think it's amazing that in all the Jewish celebrations, they were to take the fruit of the vine and they were to celebrate. I, I find that the Bible allows for freedom, but always tells you to practice caution. Because you can get it wrong and think that that's where joy comes from. Back to the passage Whoever thus serves Christ, I'm in verse 18, Romans 14, is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and mutual upbuilding. Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Everything indeed clean. But it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. The faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves, but whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats, because the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. What am I preaching this morning? The Bible says, whatever you do, whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. So if you take wine, do it to the glory of God. And if you can't do it to the glory of God, maybe something's wrong. But this passage makes it very clear. Keep it between yourself and God. Don't flaunt your freedoms. 
This passage is so full of love, it says your freedoms are not freedoms if it hurts other believers. We always should give up freedoms for the sake of a brother if that's what is needed. So I find the principle is this. Is drinking alcohol wrong? I can't say the Bible says it's wrong in all cases. Is it dangerous? You better believe it. I'll speak to you from personal experience. It can be devastating. So be cautious. Don't let anything rule over you. I know Christians who would be very offended the fact that I didn't even bring this up because we should just say you can't do it. It's easier to preach that, by the way. I recognize as a pastor, it's so much easier just to say it's wrong, stay away from it. But I grew up in that culture. And it bothers me that you can't translate Scripture and use it however you choose to use it. You must do what the Bible says. And what it says, use discernment. That's what it says. And for you, if you grew up in a, in a culture where you said alcohol, or you had a father or an uncle who was an alcoholic, and you're like, don't touch the stuff. Then for you, don't touch the stuff. That's what the Bible says. Then for you, don't touch the stuff. But it says don't pass judgment on each other. Some people imbibe. Some people choose not to imbibe. Don't judge. For those that imbibe, be careful to use that as a freedom cautiously and privately before the Lord. Don't flaunt your freedoms. Oh, there's a lot that I just said. I have no idea what you're taking home now. I'm scared to death. Y'all going to go home, get on Facebook and say, my pastor said. I want, I want to make sure I get rebuttal. So <laughs> if you're posting today, I want rebuttal. What I'm telling you is use your freedoms cautiously. And if God has given you freedom and this is not an issue, then I would encourage you to uh, be, be private about that issue, not bragging about that issue. But don't let that be where joy comes from. Boy, if that has to come from something in a bottle, whether a pill or a, or a, a smoke or, or whatever, if it has to come from something external, I don't know if you're experiencing true, certain comfort. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. I had a pastor once told me that anybody who smokes can't be saved because smoke goes in your body and if the Spirit's living in the body, the Spirit's choking on the smoke. I thought, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. How can the Spirit be there when smoke's inside? You know what? A lot of people are going to go to heaven with lots of issues here. You know what? I'm so thankful our God is gracious and merciful and not putting us in the judgment seat because we have a harder time than he does. Let's trust God with all of those issues. Comfort, counterfeit comfort, don't trust it. Let's move on to catching certain comfort. Certain comfort. Jesus is the God of comfort, not the God of affliction. Notice the small g. Not the small g God of affliction. In this world, so many people think that it's God is the problem. When bad things happen, who do we blame? When a disaster takes place, we call it an act of God. I hate that. That just burns me up. Every time there's a natural disaster and the news person says, it was an act of God. No, and I'll tell you what the act of God was. The act of God was the church that rose up afterward to step in. That's who responds to disasters. Most of the hospitals come from a Christian background. The the reason there's comfort on that level is because believers. That's the act of God in this world. The tragedies that happen are an act of sin. Since sin entered the world, the whole world groans and suffers. That's why natural disasters. God didn't sit up in heaven and say, I think it's time for a flood. I think it's time for a fire. I think it's time for a tornado. God's not in the business of bringing disaster. He's sitting in heaven waiting to say, enough's enough. I'm going to go down and get mine so they stop suffering so much. It's not an act of God. The act of God is comfort and joy. Let's read the verses. 2 Corinthians 4.4 
The God of this age, small g, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Psalm 46.1 says, God is our refuge, our strength, and ever-present help in trouble. Then Isaiah 43.2, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Did you hear those? I love those lines. I will be with you. They will not, you will not, will not. God is there for comfort and joy. He does lift us up in our time of need. And so if you struggle today with when bad things happen, we blame a good God. I understand that, but that's not where it comes from. Our Father's not the Father of disaster. Second thing. I'm comforted through comforters that have been comforted themselves. Don't think of the comforter as something you put on yourself. We're talking about people. I'm comforted through comforters that have been comforted themselves. You ever been around somebody and you find out they've been through the same thing and they're okay? Isn't that a comfort? This week, what a week. I came downstairs on... uh, when did, when did we come over, Jim and Joan? When was that? Wednesday. Wednesday afternoon, I came downstairs to the where my comfy chair is, right? I walked down the stairs, and I have a little fake Christmas tree downstairs. And, and uh, all around the Christmas tree, the tr- Christmas tree skirt was all wet. It's all wet. And immediately I thought, Jax, peed on my Christmas tree. I was so mad. And I said, honey, the dog peed on my tree. And then I noticed that the water just kept going and going and going and going and going and going. The whole basement had water in it. I thought, that dog can't pee that much. I went into my workroom and my sump pump had failed. It had blown up. It had stopped pumping. We had water in the basement. We're supposed to be at Jim and Jones in a couple of hours. Instead, we're sopping up water and trying to get a new pump installed and oh i'm so mad at first i was just like call the smiths tell them we can't come oh and then we got working on it took care of it enough and it was getting taken care of thankfully uh somebody came from the church to help me out with this pump and got it installed and there was time to get to jim and jones for dinner we drove out to jim and jones and you know what they had a dinner for us it was marvelous but when we walked in, because we told them that we were having a problem, we didn't know if we'd make it. We walked in, they're like, hey, we've got a problem down in ours too. We've had water in our, ba-. and they tell us all about it. And you know what? All of a sudden, there's just, other people go through this. This is, we're going to survive. And other people go through it a lot more. They were talking about how many times they go through it. This is the first time I've gone through it. And I thought, my goodness. And you know what? We had a dinner, and we were comforted by our comforters who'd been comforted. And on and on it goes. Do you see the difference between the spiral downward and God gives us a spiral upward of people to comfort us when we are struggling and just feeling bad? Oh, I love that. You want to catch certain comfort, be around God's people, amen? Get yourself around God's people. I can't encourage you enough to be in a small group. You got to join a small group or you can know some people. Or at least get some people and, and once the restaurants open back up, go eat somewhere together or have them to your home and, and just show kindness because that comfort you can't buy out there. The next thing, I'm comforted by God. He gives us three specific things. Through his word, Romans 15, 4. 
For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. God gives us his word. Everything that was written is a testimony for us to see that we can be comforted. He gives us his spirit. Acts 9.31, then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened. Living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. God's word will encourage you. His spirit will comfort you and encourage you. And finally, his people, his family. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. You know what, what makes a, a wet basement go away? Is a good steak Peterson. If you've never had a steak Peterson, you don't know what you're missing. The comfort that comes from just sitting around a table and relaxing, enjoying good food and good conversation, laughter, it all melts away. If you're really, really struggling and, and not being comforted, get around God's family. 1 Peter 2.10, once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Boy, that's why we got to hang out. We got to know each other and enjoy what God has given us. He gives us comfort through his word. He gives us comfort through his spirit and people step in and give you comfort. Don't miss it. Then we move on to creating certain comfort. It's not enough, by the way. It would be awful if I preached God's comfort and joy and you thought it was all about you, right? It's, my son's working a job now and he earns some money and he kind of came to me last week and he's like, man, I made a lot of money. I probably have to buy Christmas gifts, don't I? <laughs> See, there comes a time, I didn't think about it, but isn't there a time in every kid's life when you've been buying the presents? Don't tell my wife, but for years I've been buying her Christmas present from dad. Don't tell her. I've been buying it. She must have thought that he had uh, money and was buying these. No, she didn't. She knows. We all know, right? We know. And all of a sudden it dawned on him. Dad, you're not buying mom's gift for me, are you? No. No, it's time for you to do it. It's time for you to do it. So it's not all about you. And there comes time when you need to give, not only receive. We all need to grow up and get to a point where we, we caught comfort and we catch it. But we also realize we're a conduit. There's another C. A conduit of comfort for other people. I'll end with this this morning. Misery is often the training ground for ministry. Everybody say, oh, I got bad news for you. This is true. Misery is often the training ground for ministry. We go through things that are awful and we don't like them, but you should recognize the minute you go through this, God is preparing you to be a minister for somebody. You now have an opportunity. Every time you experience something in life, and get through it with the comfort of God and the comfort of others, you now become a comforter. It's your turn. Be prepared. We create certain comfort for people. Oh, let me read the verse, 2 Corinthians 4.17. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Boy, there's nothing like taking your misery and turning it into comfort for somebody else. We've got some wonderful ladies who've lost husbands this year. And you know what amazes me? is how each one has stepped up and comforted the next. The week that Sue Warner lost her husband, I was comforted to find out that Janella was there. 
Janella went right away. When I talked to Sue to comfort her, she said, Pastor Don, it's been great. Janella came, she sat down, and she told me this is what's coming. Here's what you need to expect. I could have been there for her in that, but it wouldn't have been the same. Somebody had gone through misery and then got to the other side and said, I'm here for you. And I love that. You talk about making a pastor ecstatic. It's when I see comforters on the, on the rise. And they're out there and they're doing the work of ministry. Your misery becomes ministry. So I want to end with practical. How can I comfort others? Pray for them. Pray for them. James 5.16. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Don't skip over this, friends. I know that sounds trite. Pray for I'll pray for you. No, no, no. That's no small thing. That's a real deal. Pray for one another. It's our ministry. We can offer that. And, and the Bible says it's powerful and effective. Oh, Lord, I want to be powerful and effective. Well, then pray for people. You can't fix everything, but we have a God who can. Pray. Second thing that we learn that we can comfort others. Share how God has helped you. Revelation 12 and 11. They triumph over him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. They overcome by the blood of the Lamb and their testimony. You've got a story. It's okay to share that story. It's powerful. You'll never know how cool it is. When I would travel to the inner city schools to do my talk with substance abuse counsel, man, I'd walk into some hardcore places, room full of kids that you'd probably, you'd be scared. You'd be scared to death to be there because you're, you're like, what am I doing here? What have I done? These are kids and they're, it's kind of out of control. I've been, I, I used to go to the juvenile, the juvenile home in, um, in Calhoun County. Used to have me once a year around Christmas time, I would go in and I'd teach this whole course for the kids that are incarcerated. <laughs> You ever been in a room where you're wondering, wonder what they did? And you're, you're like, I have no idea. I was in a dorm once full of guys, uh, young men, 11 to 14-year-olds. And the first night we were in this dorm room, they turned off the lights to go to bed, and they kept talking, and they started going around saying, what are you in for? And each one shared what they were in for. You talk about a scared pastor. I'm sitting there with my eyes going like this. Whoo! These are some hardcore kids. But you know what I love? I love the, the first night when they introduced me. All right, kids, this guy's going to be here for the next six weeks. And you got a little booklet. You got to fill in the notes. His name is Pastor Don Jackson. Already, here's a white, fluffy guy, balding, who's going to come talk to them. And they're like, no way. These kids look at me and they're like, I'm gonna, I'll stick you in a second. And I'm telling you, there's my favorite night is when I start to tell them my story. I said, guys, I'm, I'm coming to you guys for the next six weeks, not because I'm a pastor, not because I'm white and I think I have all the answers, but because I was an alcoholic and I sold drugs and that's the path I was on. And immediately something happens in the room. What? This guy knows. This is not just a white pastor dude from the suburbs. This is a guy who's been there. He knows where I'm at. And I tell them there's a way out of this, you know. There's another life you could choose. And then I get to share with them anything and everything. I get to talk to him about Christ. I love that. In case you don't know, that's called street cred. I told my wife one of the funniest things that happened after years of doing this. I came out of a barber shop. It was, it was about 
5.30 on a weekday in the middle of winter, and so it was dark outside, and it was in a bad part of, in Battle Creek, there's some bad parts of the hood, and the only place I like getting my hair cut was in the bad part of the hood, and so I came out of it, and it was dark out, and it was a bad part of the hood. I started heading to my car, and I saw a gang of teen guys, and I could tell they're up to no good. They look like trouble, and I walked out. Here's a white dude in the middle of the bad part of town. I started walking to my car, and they started following me. I'm thinking, oh, Lord, I don't want trouble, and I hear him say, hey, you, hey, hey, and I turned around, and one of the guys said, whoa, Dude, pastor dude, guys, leave this guy alone, man. He's a pastor dude. When I was locked up, he came in, he talked to me about the, don't, hey, pastor dude. He said, hey, guys, he's all right. I'm like, street cred, street cred. It makes a difference because it gives you, I've been there. I'll tell you how you can get comfort and joy. Cheryl, God has helped you. Say, I'm a life that was changed. You've got a story, but for the grace of God, would I be in the same place? But you know what? God changed me. Put me on a new path. There is hope. That's powerful. To be standing and say, there is hope. You're a living testimony to somebody else. It's powerful. And then there's number three. Use the power of words. Proverbs 18, 21. The tongue has the power of life and death. Oh, wow. And those who love it will eat its fruit tongue is powerful. James talks about it. It's it's like a a little rudder on a huge ship. It's like a little spark that starts a a forest fire. There's power in the tongue. It's got the power of life and death. Why wouldn't we as believers use it then in the powerful good way? Life. Everybody say life. life. Speak life into people. Your word of encouragement is all that people might need just for that moment, just to get through the downtime, just to get through a difficult situation. Speak life. Believer, allow the Holy Spirit to prompt you. Have you ever got that prompt you should call somebody? Let me tell you, call somebody. You ever get that prompt and you should send a little note? Then write the note now. I told our elders, I'm trying to be more sensitive to the Spirit's leading. And when he says to do something, when it comes to my mind, I do it then. I don't wait. I I usually say I'll do it later, then I forget. And just recently, God put somebody in my heart and I immediately pushed the the phone button. I called that person. I said, "I, I just wanted to call and tell you. And I had a good talk with that person. Come to find out it was a crucial moment, crucial time. Trust God. Use the power of words. In verse 25 and verse 11 in the same book of Proverbs, like apples of gold in settings of silver is a word fitly spoken. That's out of the ESV. A right spoken word. Write some encouragement. Just show kindness through words. Four, know when to be quiet. It's great. When you can send out comfort, but then be quiet sometimes. Don't say everything. Proverbs 17, 28. Even fools are thought wise if they keep silent and discerning if they hold their tongues. Use your words powerfully, but no one's silence is more powerful. Be careful not to use words and say the wrong thing. Please don't go to somebody who just lost somebody and say, this is going to be good for you. This is God. God did this for your good. Don't don't, don't do that because now's not the time. Sometimes you just need to be quiet. Sometimes show up with the arm, once we get past COVID, with the arm around and be an encouragement. Be careful with the use of your words. Make sure they're positive. Make sure they're right. Don't say silly things that people would be hurt by. Fifth and last. Use kind gestures. 
Proverbs eleven twenty five. a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Did you hear that? Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Isn't it great? Isn't it great when you share in comfort? It's good for you. It's good for the other person. Oh, my friend Lisa sent me a card this week, and we were recounting our dinner we had out this summer. And, and, and I love it. I just, let's do it again. That's what she said. Let's do it. Yes, let's do it again. Over and over again. The fellowship, the, the, the refreshing of being together. Let's continue in that. It's good for you. It's good for me. It's good for all of us. Use kind gestures. 2 Corinthians 2.15. For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among whose, those who are being saved and those who are perishing. We're the aroma of Christ to God. When we love on each other, when we just enjoy one another, I can just go on and on. I was with the Borst this week. I had Sloppy Joe's at their house and a salad. And, and you know what? It wasn't about the lunch. It was about just, I just love. I went home. David, you're great. But I went home and told my wife, I love Carrie. I think Carrie and I are kindred spirits. I'm like, I, can, I think I can sit and talk to Carrie forever. And y'all know David. We love David. David's great. But David and Carrie, around some sloppy joes, they don't get better than that. Well, State Peterson's pretty good. And we had a good day. I, I just, I'm overcome. I'm overcome by the fellowship and the comfort because we can experience true comfort. Not, don't settle for the cheap stuff. Don't, don't settle for the counterfeit comfort and joy. It, catch that certain comfort that comes from God through his word, through the spirit, through his family. And then let's cast it. Let's keep casting and let's let others experience it. And all that comes back, doesn't it? It's a good way of life. That's a spiral upward, isn't it? I want that. Do you want that? Team, why don't you come and send us out? A great song they chose to, te- uh, to lead us out with is give me Jesus. Oh, that's what we want, right? That's good comfort, Jesus. That's why God sent him for us. What a gift this Christmas season. He sent Jesus when the world was in dire straits. Uh, Shane talked about that dark period, 400 years of silence and nothing. There were things happening. I'll tell you, there was a lot of bad things happening. The world was getting darker during the intertestament period between the Old Testament and the New Testament. 400 years, nothing from God, and it was rough. And then it, the silence is broken by the crying of a baby. God spoke. Comfort and joy was delivered. Amen? I pray you experience it. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we pray. And we're thankful, God. We're thankful for our, our brothers and sisters in Christ. We're thankful We're thankful when somebody's gone through a journey and now we're experiencing that and we don't know what that experience is going to be like, but they've been there and they give us hope. We're thankful for that. Help us to be ministers out of our misery. And God, may it just may may be powerful and effective. And God, may we create comfort for other people while we accept it and receive it from you. Oh, God, thank you for your many good gifts. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.